Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. It's our summer series, and I'm your host, Andrew Pryor. Enchanté. Fabulously Delicious is the podcast that brings you, the wonderful and fabulous people, involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, a French dish, an ingredient, or French cuisine cooking technique, and we learn about it from a special guest who's an expert on that topic. My guests are all about French food. Either they cook it, they produce it, talk right, or photograph it, but above all, they love it. This week, we are heading off to the Côte d'Azur, one of my favourite places, and the cuisine that is Mediterranean French food. First up, it's a look at the Petit Farce, a delicious stuffed vegetable dish. We chat with a fellow tour guide and foodie, Rosa Jackson. And then another guide and foodie, Pascal Bilot, will tell us all about the salad Isfar. So, sit back, grab a coffee, tea, water, or something stronger. If you're listening whilst traveling or on your way to work, then turn up the volume as you're in for a delicious episode of Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. This is episode seven of the summer of 2022 series. Mm, can't believe that. Bon app, and let's dive into the petty farce with Rosa Jackson. Rosa Jackson, thank you for joining us on Fabulously Delicious today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So our topic today is the petty farcy. Did I pronounce that right? Petit farcy. <laughs> you love them so much, you named your business after them. What is it about the petty farcy that you love so much? For me, they were a bit of a symbol. So the reason I chose them as a name is that they really represent the Niçoise approach to cooking and that they're using ingredients in a very thrifty way. So it's a way of stretching out small amounts of meat. Usually in the old days, they would use leftover meat. Now they people generally use some kind of ground meat. It can be mixed or just one. And the idea is to stretch out the small amount of meat with a lot of vegetables, herbs, uh, flavorings, and to stuff very small vegetables with this filling. So it's making use of the fresh produce but also of leftovers and to create something that's very beautiful, very aesthetic, but not kind of aesthetic and rustic at the same time, which I think is, uh, is the way people in Nice like to cook. And also for me, the, uh, there was this idea that I'm running a cooking school. So people who come here, they're going to be stuffed full of information. You know, they're going to be well fed by the time they left. So the Petit Farsi represented that as well. Is there a difference between a petit farci and a petit farci provençal? And then I've also read that you've got a petit farci niçoise. What's the difference between all of those three or are they all just the same and it's just somebody wants to slap a name on it? I'm going to reply like a niçoise. <laughs> so I'm going to say the petit farci niçoise are the real ones and the provençal ones are the imitations <laughs> because it's a dish... <laughs> It's a dish that really originated in Nice. And in fact, it's one of the only dishes that you pretty much only find this version in Nice. So not to say, you know, you won't find stuffed vegetables other places because all over the Mediterranean you find them. But this version with the, what I described, like the meat, the vegetables, and then Parmesan, egg, and breadcrumbs, that's really local to Nice. So that then got sort of slightly exported to Provence where people in Provence also make this dish. 
but it is considered, I think even people in Provence would say, yeah, it's a dish that comes from Nice. Would you say, is it also a Mediterranean food then? Like, is there other countries oh, yes. that also do a version of it? I was in Greece this summer and they do stuffed vegetables. Lucky you. Yes. And they use, so it's it's quite different, the filling. They use rice and they use mint because in Greece they like to cook with dried mint, which is not something that we use here. And it's delicious also, but here people never use rice in the filling. That's one of those right. rules. Right, Okay. Right, one of the rules. You know. oh, okay, we'll get into that in a minute. I love a good rule. Um, are they a side dish or are they a dish on their own? A, ma- a main? They're a dish on their own. So many foods in these can be eaten as picnic foods. So uh, you can sort of carry them around and eat them outside. So that's typical of Niswa's cooking. So they could be part of a picnic. But generally, they're served as uh, either a starter or a main course. So they could be a starter if you just serve small amounts of them or a main course if you have the complete, like, usually there's an onion, tomato, there's a round zucchini courgette, and there can be eggplant, and there can be pepper. Is it something that you're doing like at the end of their season or is it usually something that's at the beginning of the season? Is there, Or is it just something that can be done all year round? They would be a summer dish. So you're, you're wanting to use the small – it's really important that they be small because it is called petit farcis, so nothing big, just small kind of golf ball-sized vegetables. And the round zucchini are only available in the summer. So theoretically, you need to use those, but it's okay to use the longer ones and cut them into chunks and hollow them out as well. Um, the tomatoes have to be, you know, decent tomatoes, so that rolls out the winter. <laughs> so I would say it's a dish you could make from about May to September. So I would say a capsicum it would be the perfect vessel to stuff because you just need to cut off the top and then take out the seeds and the, the parts inside. But to hollow out a zucchini, um, well, that's a little bit more difficult. Do you have any tips for our audience on how to do that? There are two different ways you can do it. So either you can cut it in half lengthwise and then scoop out the seeds and cut it into little boats. So they should be quite small. So you don't want to use like the whole... Um, the whole of the uh, half zucchini, if that makes sense. You want to cut it into chunks. Or you can cut, you can not cut it in half lengthwise and just cut it into chunks like lengths that are about three or four inches and then put them up on the cut side and scoop out some of the insides so that you can fill it that way. And you mentioned, I do think you said this before, but just to clarify, so there's no rice in it. Yeah, that no was rice. Uh, something you said that was in Greece. So again, what is it that you, you're stuffing in? So I, okay, so in, everybody has their own filling and there is, yeah, <laughs> mine has, has developed over time. It came originally from a chef who runs a little bistro called La Miranda in Nice, which is a wonderful little traditional Niçois bistro. And he was kind enough to give me his recipe and I based mine on his, but of course, over time it changes a bit and it becomes more my own. So I use, uh, the meat can be veal. I quite like to use a veal sausage meat, but some people mix veal and pork. And I actually, I'm going to make some tomorrow. And I bought a mix of meat, which my butcher offers, which is beef, veal and pork mixed together. And I think they specifically make that for for petit farci. It mixes two different meats or three different meats is good. And then I use finely chopped zucchini 
and onion. So usually spring onion for the filling and mushrooms because the mushrooms add a kind of meatiness when they're finely chopped. And you, at, in the end, you can't really tell the difference between the mushrooms and the meat, which is kind of interesting. And then I use uh, gar- a little bit of garlic, some basil, um, some a parmesan, egg, and a tiny bit of breadcrumbs, but I really go easy on the bread. Some people use bread soaked in milk. They'll use dry bread and then they soak it in milk and they press out the milk and add that. But I don't want the filling to be too bready. So I only use the breadcrumbs if the filling seems a little liquid before I'm stuffing the vegetables. And I hope I haven't forgotten anything. And the most important thing is not, so you cook all the vegetables, you actually chop them very finely. Some people use a meat grinder. Um, I use a food processor, but I'm very careful just to chop them. You don't want to get too much liquid out of them. You want to finely chop them without pureeing them. And then you saute all the vegetables and the garlic until the liquid evaporates. And at that stage, you add your meat, but you don't actually cook the meat. So it's important that the meat's still raw, pretty much raw when you stuff the vegetables so that then it cooks in the oven. And when it cooks in the oven inside the vegetable, it's going to give off juices and keep more moisture. Because if it's pre-cooked when you put it in the vegetables and then you bake it, it's going to be dry. So if you were doing it ahead, say for a dinner party or something like that, and you wanted to make it ahead, you would not cook it. You would do everything up to the time when you're going to pop it in the oven and then leave that aside and then put it in the oven. If you're doing it ahead, I would almost say you could even go ahead and bake them and then warm them up when people come. Or you could, if you want them to be freshly cooked, you can cook the vegetable filling but keep your meat in the fridge because I think having warm meat uh, sitting around might not be a good idea. Not great. So, but <laughs> you're listening to Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, then please share it around with your friends, colleagues, and family. French food is wonderful, and so are these chats with lovers of French food, and they can be enjoyed by any foodie, no matter what their preference for cuisine is. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. A five-star one would be fabulous. So remember, share me around with your friends and family. I love to be shared around. Now let's get back to more Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Is it one of those things that's better the day, the next day? Well, all Niswa's food is good when it's rested for a while. So, I yeah, it's delicious when you warm it up the next day as well. Um, so I would say, yeah, don't hesitate to make petit farci, at least, you know, in the morning if you're serving them in the evening, and just, you know, warm them up before you serve them. What is it about Mediterranean food? Um, I mean, the taste of a vegetable in the Mediterranean is that when you're in any of those towns, cities, it's just amazing. Like, I've never had that experience in my life. Um, I live in, lived in Australia, and we have amazing produce there. We certainly do. But when you go to somewhere like Nice, I remember on my tour, we went to a lovely restaurant, and we had Petit Farsi uh, in Antibes. And it was some of the best food I've ever had, like the capsicum, the tomato. They just tasted so amazing. What is it about Mediterranean food that just tastes so good? I think it's because the plants are struggling 
because the soil is actually quite poor and the sun is really hot and the climate is dry. So they're having to work, uh, you know, it concentrates the flavor. So they're having to struggle a bit to grow. And when they do produce fruits like tomatoes, they're not gorged with water, they're gorged with sun. So it's, it really concentrates the sweetness and that's why they have so much flavor. It's like with wine, you know, in the regions where it's, um, they, the grapevines have to struggle more, they, uh, they produce better wine, more concentrated juice. I love that, they're gorged with sun. If there, is there any other tips that you could give somebody uh, when they're making a petty pass? It's very important to pre-cook the vegetables that you're stuffing. So they are not going to cook much more in the oven. Uh, You need to pre-cook them to the tenderness that you want at the, you know, when you're serving them. Usually I boil the zucchini and the onions. You can steam them if you want to. Peppers, I would roast them ahead of time. But tomatoes, no, they they are not pre-cooked because if you pre-cook them, then they're going to fall apart. They're the only ones that are going to completely cook in the oven and then it's important to add some liquid to the bottom of the pan when you're cooking fussy and to baste them a little bit so you can use if you have a chicken stock you can use that you can even use the water that you've used to pre-cook your vegetables and just put like a, a half a cup of that in the bottom of your pan or a cup depending on how big your pan is and baste them a little bit as they're cooking and especially when you take them out of the oven just give them a last baste with the liquid because some juices will have come out of the meat and that'll add more flavor and moisture so that they won't be dry because there's nothing worse than a hard ball of (laughs) stuffing in a stuffed vegetable. If someone's coming to France, where should they go for a fabulous petit farci? Well, I I can recommend the restaurant that originally gave me the recipe, which is La Miranda. La Miranda in Nice. And also there's another family-run restaurant called Acciardo, which does nice petit farci as well. They're in the old, both of those are in the old town of Nice. It sounds to me like a petit farci would actually be a very healthy uh, meal. And you actually studied nutrition, is that right? I did, yes, in Ireland. Great. So you'll be able to tell us, is it a healthy meal? Absolutely. Yeah, it has (laughs) small amounts of meat. So, you know, what I learned in nutrition school was a little bit of everything and you know when you it's fine to eat meat but not in excess so this is a great way of making a meal that's really uh, high in vegetables and with a small amount of meat so it's got some protein but it's got lots of different vegetables mixed in and I think even kids you know it's the kind of they're chopped small enough that they're not going to recognize them so you could probably sneak them past kids who don't like vegetables all that much too. Rosa Jackson, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you and I'm so excited to have learned all about the Petit Farsi and can't wait to try one. Thank you so much for joining us on Fabulously Delicious. Thank you. It's been great. Since being part of MasterChef Australia in 2013, I've been doing food tours and cooking classes with thousands of fabulous people. That's why I'm super excited to announce a new cooking classes here with me in France, the first for me since COVID started. 2023 is your chance to come visit me here in Montmorillon and participate in cooking experiences highlighting the regional produce of the area and some of the wonderful dishes and ingredients discussed on Fabulously Delicious. Check out my website via the link in the show notes. It's andrewpriorfabulously.com for more information. Register your interest now. 
I can't wait to cook with you and also in the future collaborate with some of the wonderful guests on Fabulously Delicious that you will be able to come cook with me as well. So stay tuned. Merci beaucoup. And let's get back to more Fabulously Delicious with Pascal below as we discuss the salad niçoise. Bon app. Pascal Bellot, welcome to Fabulously Delicious. Hey, bonjour, Andrew. Thank you uh, for having me in uh, your podcast today. So that leads us to the salad niçoise and also niçoise food in general. The salad niçoise is one of those French dishes that uh, if you haven't had one uh, in Nice, then you haven't had one, really, in my opinion. They're so fabulous. What's in a salad niçoise? So that's always a big topic indeed. Because mm-hmm. I thought I'd start off with the big topic. <laughs> indeed. So yeah, the people, you know, in France, uh, food is, of course, uh, holy is very important. So as soon as you put the wrong ingredients, the locals get uh, easily mad. So uh, a uh, real uh, Nicoise salad has got uh, local ingredients, of course. And uh, because of the history of, uh, of Nice uh, between uh, close to Italy and uh, in France and the Mediterranean Sea and the Alps just behind, they have imported a lot of different uh, ingredients from uh, all over the world. So the ingredients of the Niçois salad are the tomatoes, uh, which are traditionally coming from South uh, America and arrived uh, in Nice via the Spanish. And then we have the uh, little onions, cebet in, in French. You have the celery, the radish, uh, which will have basil, green peppers, and then uh, fevet in French, which is kind of small green beans. And these small green beans, the best one you have in the summer, uh, they grow in the summer, so normally a real niçoise salad is perfectly in the summer. And, uh, and then we have uh, anchovies, salt and olive oil. And then uh, as the last ingredient is uh, hard boiled eggs. So all the ingredients are raw, except of course the, the eggs are boiled. But that tuna would be cooked as well. So uh, normally it's anchovies. Uh, oh, anchovies and, are not uh, tuna. So because, ah. because you know all the all these what are called the traditional uh, meals of of Nice, uh, the Nice Nice from Nice. Uh, in gen- at the beginning, Nice was quite poor, so these were meals of the local people that didn't have much uh, money. So they used to put their uh, anchovies till today, and then bit by bit, uh, people have been putting their tuna. But the original. Tuna salad is with anchovies. Well, it's just uh, dawned on me. Um, a light bulb has gone over the top of my head. I mean, I can't imagine is tuna is not exactly a Mediterranean fish, is it? Is it? Yeah, it's tuna. Yeah, it's tuna in the Mediterranean. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. Uh, well, that light bulb was wrong. <laughs> initially, the tuna was much more expensive than uh, anchovies, so that's why they you would put anchovies. Ah. Okay. The amazing Delia Smith, who was one of my food heroes, called the salad niçoise one of the best combination of salad ingredients ever invented, apparently. And Gordon Ramsay says that it's the finest summer salad of all time. What is it, do you think, that makes this salad resonate with so many great chefs? Uh, I would say probably because it's very healthy and uh, you know it's part of the mediterranean diet which is uh, you know so much discussed and talked about and you know uh, so i would say it's maybe yeah one of the symbols of this mediterranean diet and it's uh, yeah it's also called some people also call it like the the sunny salad you know because it's from the south of france from the mediterranean 
it's beautiful. You can eat it as a starter or as a main. There's a group in Nice, um, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, if you know them, you'll know, and then you'll be able to correct me. Uh, the Cirque de la Capellina d'Or. Does that sound right? They're all about, they're a group that are all about not deviating from local French recipes in Nice. Oh, indeed. Have you heard of them? Yeah, yeah, this, indeed. So it's, uh, they have created a label. So now the, the word we use is uh, the label of the cuisine Nissart. So Nissart means Nissoise. Uh, so the, basically it's the label of the, the yeah, cuisine from Nice. And, uh, and they are really, you know, uh, protecting and yeah, preserving the, uh, the traditional uh, food from Nice. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they're horrified if you would put like, I don't know, mayonnaise in your Nissoise salad. That's of course not possible. So they have created this label, and then you have different restaurants in and around Nice that uh, on the show, on their windows you can see this label, and then you're 100% sure that you will get the Niçoise food, like, for example, the salads, uh, served the traditional way with the, uh, the local ingredients. Um, so they would be horrified if I had put tuna in my Niçoise salad then? Well, maybe tuna would be will be tolerated, but uh, yeah, tuna not. would be tolerated. Yeah. What about green beans and potatoes? No, no, no. So that was uh, that's not possible. So the the great <laughs> even even the great chef eh, Auguste Estoffier he made the the mistake of putting their uh, green beans and potatoes, and it was uh, hard, it was heavily criticized. And still today, it's like. Uh, that's that's the the red line you can't cross. The red line is a Scoffier's uh, Nissoise yeah. salad. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I mean that's a pretty big name for them to to put a red line in. It is, you know. Yeah, yeah. And actually, he was he was born not far from Nice, but uh, just like a, a few towns on the other side of the river. And the river, like just after Nice, you know, people see it as a an, like an, a border. So everyone from the other side of the river are yeah, not from Nice. And Escoffier, Auguste Escoffier, the great chef, he was from the other side of the river. So they say that's probably the reason why he you know, didn't make the Niçois salad the proper way. Do you make a Niçois salad at home or when you're in Nice or do you go out to have one? Uh, no, I would go out to have one too. That would be taste much better if... I have it out then at home. <laughs> Can you tell us the best place in Nice to go for a Nice salad if we promise that we'll all come on one of your tours when we come to Nice? Well, there are different uh, there are different uh, places where they make the perfect Nice salad, but uh, well, maybe if you come to Nice for the first time, it's great to go to the main square, what we call the flower market, and there we have an, uh, a great restaurant called the Safari. And they uh, yeah, make the, I would say the best, uh, they make the best Niçois salad uh, of that square. That's a great tip. Okay, I'm going to look that one up. And the next time I'm in Nice, I'm going to do one of your tours and uh, I will um, go and have a Niçois salad there as well. Uh, there is a famous um, politician uh, from Nice, although I think a controversial one, uh, Jacques Medicin. Is it? I think it is medicine. Um, apparently, he was a strict salad traditionalist. This is like people really get into their food there in Nice. Like they really, this is how it's supposed to be. And he had tips even for rubbing the salad bowl with garlic before adding any of the ingredients. Why are people so passionate about their salad niçoise and their Nice food? 
Oh, you know, it's the, you know, in France in general, we are very proud of our history, our culture. And then this little area around Nice, uh, which used to be until 1860 was not part of France. It was a, a small country with, uh, on one side, the border with, which is today Italy and the other side, the border with, with France. So I think that's the main reason why the people, you know, being close to two different countries, uh, created a very strong, uh, sentiment of, of yeah, proudness of their their language because they had, for example their own language and 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 their food culture and so today it's uh, yeah, it's people are very proud and yeah defend that and again as soon as you do something wrong like put a potato or put mayonnaise it's like oh it's like uh, it's just too far <laughs> what other foods is nice famous for so nice we have a uh, quite interesting sandwich that is called the Banya, which you can translate with the wet uh, bread. And basically, it's a sandwich. And in the sandwich, you have basically all the same ingredients as a Niçoise salad. So it's basically a Niçoise salad in, uh, yeah, in a sandwich. And that's very uh, typical, uh, yeah, a few typical meals. So in the old times, it's what like workers or uh, fishermen, you know, would bring this with them and that would be their lunch. And nowadays, if you go uh, spend a nice day uh, on the beach with your uh, your family and the kids, well, that's uh, like a like a tri- typical uh, traditional meal that you bring with you to uh, eat on the beach, the pambania, so like an Issois salad in an, in a bread. And so in there, we add a few more ingredients, which is uh, artichoke, uh, garlic, and uh, in this case, you can put tuna. That's okay to put the tuna in the in the pambania. Right. Uh, it's a wet sandwich, I, so it's going to be one of those sandwiches you'd eat with a, a knife and fork as opposed to picking it up then? Uh, no, not really. You eat it like this, like a hamburger. Now you can see the hamburger, and they call it a wet sandwich because uh, traditionally you put a lot of uh, olive oil on the bread. But, but, but the history is a bit different because these were, again, all these meals were meals from people, the, the poor people in the old times. And so basically what I did, you know, they had bread leftovers from the day before and that bread had become hard and you would not throw it away. So they would make it wet in these days with water. And so then you could do the bread and uh, on this bread, you would put the same ingredients as the Niçois salad, which were all you know, uh, quite not expensive ingredients. Fabulous. I'm going to do that tomorrow because the ducks here in town by the river, by the bridge, uh, they're getting a bit fat. <laughs> so from all the bread that we've been feeding them. So um, I will try that. Lyon is the gastronomic capital of France. That's what they say. And the Côte d'Azur, well, it's the heart of Mediterranean food. Both of these places have a special place in my heart, and I have to admit, my stomach as well. Having taken many wonderful people on tours to these areas, I'm super excited to be back in the swing of it and doing more tours in 2023 and 2024. These are small group food tours that will not leave you with an empty stomach, I can assure you, but instead they will give you wonderful experiences, fabulous memories, and a full stomach, but above all, delicious love of France. Check out my website via the link in the show notes, andrewpryorfabulously.com, for more information and register your interest now. Niniswa's food, it's a more relaxed, I would call it, style. I, I, I wouldn't call it, I don't 
I think rustic is the wrong word, but more relaxed, do you think, style of cooking? Yeah, so again, all these meals were made to be made like easy and and without too much money that you could maybe make the day before and bring with you to work because you had long days on the field or on the sea, on, on the sea fishing. And so indeed, it's, it's, it's easy and you eat it with your hands and, uh, and it's uh, well, in general healthy. So it's, it's, it's great food. Another, another typical meal in Nice that you would find if you go there and that they sell on the markets is called the pie saladière. Basically, the pizza ladier is, uh, we like to say, is the uh, ancestor of the pizza. Right? The pizza dates from the, they believe, from the 16th, 17th century in Naples. That's where it started. But this pizza ladier was created roughly 200 years before that, in the early 15th uh, century. Uh, originally, so it's basically, it's um, the lower part is, um, it's like an, a pizza. Uh, but on the top, what you put is uh, our onions. So um, yeah, just onions that you would uh, cook for about two hours. And uh, so just a pizza base with onions and little anchovies and then uh, a local black olive. Uh, so you can eat it cold or warm. And uh, yeah, so it's in a way in the, the ancestor of the pizza. So it's originally from Genoa, from Italy, and it uh, arrived uh, easily and yeah, very quickly in the food market in Nice, down by the water, it's amazing. It'd be after when you go from there's the beach and then there's the arches and then you've got that food market. What's it called again? So the official name is the, the Cour Saleya. That's the name of the of the square. Cour Saleya comes from sel, from salt, because a long time ago, that's where we had like an, a kind of warehouse where they were used to store the salt. And salt was also nicknamed the white gold because it was used to preserve other goods eh, before we had electricity and fridges so that's what the name is from the square and uh, we also nicknamed that market where they indeed sell fruit and vegetables but especially also flowers so the the square is also more known as the flower market it is one of the best markets i think not just in france but in the world it really is a gem i absolutely love it they do an amazing it's sort of like a i think it's chickpea uh, it's sort of like a pancake slash bread, the soccer. Yeah, Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yes, it's delicious. How many of those can you have in a day? <laughs> well, it's quite uh, filling. Eh? That's, so you, you don't have much. So that's, that's something we will eat. Like, you know, the aperitif is very uh, popular in France. And uh, so if you have a little aperitif, a little uh, drink, so that would be in, in Nice normally uh, wine. We are one of the, uh, we have one of the oldest vineyards in uh, in France, I believe, that we produce wine there for 2,600 years. And so with your nice little glass of fresh rosé, you would have a, a little uh, slice of, of this soca. And this soca is indeed uh, made from um, with chickpeas and olive oil, uh, chickpea flour. And it's uh, um, cooked in the shape of a big pancake in the oven for a few minutes. And then you just cut off a slice, put a bit of uh, pepper, and uh, let's enjoy your nice rosé as an aperitif. Amazing. Just down the street from the market, there was, I remember, because this was 2019, because of COVID, we haven't been able to go down um, recently. So this was 2019. There was an olive shop on one side that had amazing olive oils, and then directly opposite was this 
fantastic uh, sweet store that had been there for a very, very long time, oh, like yes, chocolates indeed. and things. Do you know the – what's the name of that store? Do you remember? Yeah, it's – you pronounce it Oer. Oer. Yeah, and it's indeed the oldest uh, shop still open in, in Nice. So it's from, if I remember well, something like early 1800s. Uh, OER was is a family originally from Switzerland, and they came to Nice, and they uh, opened this little shop, uh, and they are specialized in you know, making little chocolates and uh, and uh, other sweets, and uh, it's still from the family. It's still the family OER, which is uh, uh, running the shop. So it went over from father to son, father to son, father to son, and now um, apparently the daughter of the uh, actual owner is. Uh, is uh, yeah, planning on to take over the business, so it will go from the father to the daughter. So it's great because it stays in the same in the same family. And um, this shop is very beautiful, beautiful, very nice products. And they had a very uh, famous um, client there many years ago because the French Riviera became very famous thanks to different uh, royalties, uh, kings and queens all over Europe used to come and spend the winter time in in Nice and. The most famous tourist uh, in the old time was Queen Victoria. And Queen Victoria spent several winters in in Nice, and this uh, this little shop already existed. Oer, and they said that they a part of the shop used to be a place where you could have a a coffee or a tea. Uh, you know, the British like to have their little tea, so people say that Queen Victoria has been there to have a little afternoon tea in the shop. When is the best time for someone to come to Nice as a foodie? I would say Nice is great all year long because of the climate. I told you 300 days of sun per year. So, I mean, if you are, uh, if you like the beach, then it's great in the summer. If you like to, don't like the beach, then, you know, there's in the winter and nice to walk around and visit places. And the market is all year long. So this beautiful market we just discussed is, is all year long, six days a week, yeah, Tuesday till, till Sunday. And, uh, yeah, so all year long. And of course, if you come to, to Nice, you're going to visit the, the rest of the French Riviera. And if you're a foodie, then of course you go to a town not far from there, there called Menton. And in Menton, we have a very famous restaurant, the Mirazur, which was ranked, yeah, in 2019. And maybe probably, of course, you know, was ranked best restaurant in the world. Absolutely. So when I had my tour, we had three Australians and two Americans come on my tour, a small group tour of uh, the Côte d'Azur in September 2019. We had seven nights uh, on the Côte d'Azur and uh, we went to Menton for the day and uh, in the morning we went to where they make the lemon marmalade uh, there in Menton and then we went to the markets and I told everybody that they had to be smart we're smart casual for lunch but i didn't tell them where we were going to lunch and uh, as we were walking back to the, the the van that we had i said uh, do you want to know where you're going for lunch now and they all were going yes like, where are we going and i said well look up on the top of the hill it's uh, just a restaurant just up there on the top of the hill uh called mirazu and it's the world's number one restaurant and we were very lucky and fortunate to have had dinner on the tour in the world's number one restaurant and they were all foodies and they had no idea that we were going there wow, it's a great it's surprise yeah, it's great, and yeah. uh, it really was one of the best meals that i've ever had in my life and um the case pascal thank you for joining me on fabulously delicious well thank you very much and uh, looking forward to see you in uh, in nice. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the summer series of Fabulously Delicious. Next week, it's our last episode of this series before we head back into the regular episodes. And next week, we're going to be finding out from our guests what they think are the most fabulous things about France. So, come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. And as I always say, remember, whatever you do, do it fabulously. Bon up, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.